Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spire. So to kick this one off, rather lousy couple of days. As far as my collection's concerned, I came up with doing feeding yesterday and went over to check on my C. parvum, which was one I just featured in a video about the most uncommon or obscure species I have in my collection. And just to, to fill in some some backstory, I picked her up a couple of years ago, about a year and a half ago, from Tanya Fear Not Tarantulas because I had a mature male that I was hoping to pair. We had done a couple pairings with her. I was hoping they were successful, and what ended up happening is the male passed away from old age, but the female was, you know, she was eating well. She was putting on size, so we waited, 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 waited. Well, months went by, and then finally she molted out and unfortunately did not lay a sack. So that was the end of that, and the male had already died, so so there was no chance to rebreed her. So I was kind of on the lookout for another male. Well, I did notice that after she molted, she was very, very restless. Like usually when they molt, and, and for this one in particular, she'd build a nice little burrow. I'd give her a lot of, a larger enclosure for the size of the spider she was. And she had kind of set up a little spot underneath some cork bark. She had webbed around it. She had a nice little burrow. She'd come out there and hunt. Well, I was waiting for her to start eating again. That's always for me when they molt. I always wait for them to have that first meal, which kind of gives me a heads up that nothing went wrong during the molt. Well, she never took that first meal. I was dropping in items. I would come back, you know, a couple hours later, the items were still there. I'd come back the next morning. I did pre-killed, come back the next morning, pre-killed was still there. So I was definitely having some concerns. And then she started hanging out in the open, which for me, you know, I spend a lot of time observing my tarantulas and I've noticed that there's certain ones you never see. And then if you start to see them outward frequency, it can sometimes point to there being an issue. And something told me that things weren't quite right with this girl, that something had gone wrong during the molt. But she was moving around well. If you saw during the video, she was acting normally. So I was hoping maybe she was just having an abnormal long time to, a lot of times after a pre-molt, they can take them a little while before they start eating again. I was thinking maybe she just had an abnormally long wait before she took her first meal. Well, that was obviously not the case. And again, she didn't seem to be getting weaker. She was in good shape. And I came in the other day and she was out in the open and she was getting a drink out of a water dish. And I'm like, all right, that's good. And I even got some footage of her drinking because I'm still working on that video of, you know, tarantulas using water dishes. And then yesterday came up and she was right. You could tell right away she was dead. It just did not look good. And I opened up the enclosure and I picked her up and sure enough, she was actually dead. There was no there was no death curl. She just looked like she had just stopped wherever she was and that was it. And really disappointed. I love that species. I've had two mature males that have passed away and I was really hoping to get a sack out of her and now she's gone. And it's one of those deals, again, I've talked before about losing tarantulas in your collection and I've explained to people that I still take it really hard. I it's one of those deals where sometimes it's one you raise up from a sling. It's sometimes it's one that you, you know, even if it's regardless, I don't care if it's a $5 tarantula or an expensive tarantula, I take it hard. First, I miss the animal. Like I, I obviously I keep these animals. I care a great deal about them and I don't ever want anything to happen to them in my care. And then the other thing that gets me is I usually start, it starts eating me away. What causes, what could I have done differently? What did I do wrong? And, and I think I've talked before about that winter. I had a couple of years ago, a few years ago where, where we had the bad bag of substrate and I was losing a lot of animals and I really lost a lot of confidence because I was like, there's obviously you lose one, 
that's fine. You lose two again, but you start losing three, four, five, six things. Something is seriously wrong. And that really shook my confidence for a bit. And I remember there was a moment where I turned to Billy. I'm like, I don't even want to put videos out or podcasts out because I feel like a hypocrite because who the heck am I to tell people how to raise things when I can't keep my own stuff alive? So I always go through that period when I lose something. And I think part of it is healthy because I'm leaving no stone unturned as far as examining what could have gone wrong, especially after the substrate issue. It took me too long to figure that one out. But you start looking at, could it have been a bacterial infection? It did kind of, you know, I have seen signs of tarantulas when they have the bacterial infection, or what I think is a bacterial infection. We've discussed this before. They start acting lethargic. They hang out in the open more, and we'll get into that for my next bad piece of bad news. In this case, it seems like something went wrong with the molt, something with the sucking stomach, whatever it may be. She was not eating. She didn't seem, her fangs are intact. And that's one of the things, I go through the checklist. I look at the fangs intact. She was drinking. She was... I don't know what could have caused it. I will continue to mull it over. I mean, it definitely wasn't old age. I don't believe she was all that old. She was a mature female, but I don't think she had been mature all that long. So I really don't think it's an old age thing. But on top of that, the the kicker was my D diamantiensis. I raised this one from a teeny tiny sling up into a beautiful full-grown adult female. And I noticed that lately she she was eating fine, eating fine, eating fine. And then she stopped eating. She was looking very plump, a little dark, you know, colors were a little muted. I'm like, all right, we got a, we got a molt coming. No big deal. So I kept her water dish full, gave her a little, you know, moist corner every once in a while. And we waited, waited, waited. All the behavior she was exhibiting was quintessential pre-molt behavior until recently where once again I looked over at her enclosure she had webbed copiously throughout her enclosure had a, you know webbed the entire thing up and she usually had a little web tunnel that she would go into and hide I came out and she was right out in the open sitting right on the edge of the plastic which again sometimes with them you know maybe she's getting something to drink and again I caught her drinking at one point which I got footage of that as well which I will not be using because it's kind of depressing now but I I knew something was wrong. I just, I knew it wasn't regular pre-mult and I've been kind of keeping a really close eye on her. Not that there was anything I could really do, but I was worried. So again, last night when I was feeding, I looked over to her enclosure and she was sitting on the ground. I'm like, this isn't good. Like I immediately felt my heart sink and because she's never on the ground. She's even when she was out hanging in the open more frequently recently. She was always on the side of the enclosure, on the webbing. She was on the ground. And I'm like, no, 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 please no. And I go over and check on her, and she's unresponsive. Again, looking like she just died right where she was. She was plump. She was, you know, I caught her drinking recently. I don't know what happened. And it it kills me because, it's again, it's not only two of my favorite spiders. Like, I had them in nice display cases. They're ones that, you know, I enjoy showing off. Obviously, I just showed off the C. parvum, and my D. diamantinensis is one that I love to, you know, show pictures of the people at work when we talk about spiders actually being beautiful, and both of them, so it was, it was a, it was a tough one, it's really tough, and again, I have a lot of animals, death is going to be part of it, you're going to sometimes have untimely deaths, and I do believe, you know, that can happen, but I can't help but sit back and go, all right, what could I have done differently, what might have happened, I can't really think of anything in these instances, and the, the ironic part is, because I was kind of watching both of them, I had them both together in the same area so I could keep an eye on them and to find them both like they were stackable enclosures, one right on top of the other, both dead. Now, and this isn't a thing I want to make it clear. Somebody's gonna come on and go, maybe they got exposed to something. No, I strategically, when we got to the new house, put them together so I could keep a better eye on them and know they were, you know, right together. But so both of them are dead. We did bury them this weekend, which was a real bummer. And now I'm on the lookout for more of them because these are these are also species that I would love to keep in my collection. Sometimes when you lose something, you know, whether die from 
from old age or you have a mature male, you sometimes decide, you know what, I'm not going to get one of those again for a little while. I'm going to try to get another species. But these are two species that I really love that I want in my collection. So now I'm on the lookout for more. It looks like pinchers and pokies may have the diamantinensis and it looks like they have the katamari uh, genus, but it's not. It's the argentensis, I think it is. I probably just mispronounced it. I'm going off the top of my head here. But uh, I might get that to tide me over until I can find a parvum, but I definitely want them back in my collection. But a bummer, a huge bummer. And it happens sometimes, and I'm very fortunate that knock on wood, since that incident that winter with the bad substrate, which we did figure out what was happening, thank gosh, because it was really, really destroying my confidence. We've been good as far as having mysterious deaths, which has been great. I don't like mysterious deaths. I hate mysterious deaths. They, uh, I obsess over them. I have a hard time sleeping. Like that night I went to bed, and it's just like that thing in the back of your mind, like I just lost two spiders today. I just lost two spiders today. I hate losing spiders, especially what should be healthy adults and younger adults. So real bummer there. And then on top of it, I almost hate to even report this, but it's it's coming. The queen, the G. Porteri that we've had since Billy and I moved out together years ago in the 90s. It's been with us, you know, you've, you've all heard the story. I won't go into it again, although expect to, you know, where this is going, eventually there'll be a little retrospective on her, but uh, she's definitely on her way out. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I think the last time she molted, I talked about the fact it kind of surprised me. I had no idea she was going to molt again. Like She had gone seven and a half, almost eight years or something since the last molt, and then suddenly she molted again, and I was like, wow, because a lot of times when they get older, they do end up dying in molts. She molted, seemed to be okay, and then I, I went to feed her, great feeding response, like, girl, still going strong, this is great. Well, then I started finding dead crickets around her enclosure. She was killing them, she was webbing up, but she wasn't able to eat them. And I noticed her fangs were good. I worry, again, if there's something with the sucking stomach, if there was something went wrong with the molt, or if she's old. I mean, we got when we got her, she was about four and a half inches, so she was a good size, you know, young adult. It was a wild-caught specimen. I'm fairly positive, fairly certain of that. And so you're talking right now, I have a G. rosea, you know, same species, which I've had for, I believe, six and a half years. I bought her as a little teeny tiny sling. And in optimal conditions, she is only about two inches long, not even an inch and three quarters long. So you can only imagine how old this was when uh, this girl was when I got her, probably 10 at least, I'm guessing, 8, 10, maybe even 15 years. And then we've had her for 24 years, 25 years, around there. So a long, long time. And again, the thing with her is she was the one, the, the, what got me started on this path with the whole spider thing. And I've shared the story before, was sitting, I remember clear as day, sitting there talking about how depressing it would be when she eventually passed and thinking about maybe we should look and get some more spiders so it won't quite, you know, it won't be quite so depressing. And that's what kicked all this off. That was right then and there. I started looking online. I remember looking at what was available, the colors and everything. And I was immediately, I turned to Billy. I was like, this is, this is going to turn into another collection. I can tell you right now, there's so many beautiful species out there. And I just totally got consumed with it. Anyway, she's right now barely able to move. She's very weak. She hasn't been eating for months, and it's starting to take a toll. I went in there earlier and just kind of put my hand out, and she just kind of sat there and touched my hand, and it was kind of nice because, remember, this was a spider I tried to hold years ago that had a feeding response that I passed out after it happened, and to be able to kind of sit there and have some contact with her was kind of nice, but she's 
I don't guess she's going to be around all that much longer. So it's going to be a huge bummer. And again, I grew up on a farm. I'm not, I don't want to sound like I'm cold and callous. I'm not. I love my animals. I'm very attached to my animals. But when you grow up on a farm, you're surrounded by, you know, death from a very young age, especially when you're an animal lover and you recognize that, you know, death is part of it. And sometimes it's untimely death because, you know, they're butchered or what. It, it just, you start to learn how to cope with it. But this is just one that, you know, literally Billy and I have been together forever. And she's kind of been like our little spirit animal the whole time we've gone just going along and I you know that was years ago when I first started talking about it's gonna be so sad when she dies and here we are you know years later doing the Tom's Big Spiders thing and she's still around that's amazing that's fantastic so we knew she was gonna go eventually but it's a really tough one trying to swallow that the fact that she's not gonna be in the collection anymore I loved when people would talk about what got you into the hobby I would talk about her and go I still have her she's still here it was such a cool thing so that one's a huge bummer as well, so I'm assuming that's probably, I'm trying to steal myself for it with the next week or so. You know, I don't want to put a timeline on her, but it's, it's not looking good. Again, I was just in there earlier, not looking good at all. So that's going to be a really stinky one. So expect, you know, some type of retrospective for her. I've toyed with doing something with my logo, redoing my logo, although, you know, obviously I've had my logo for many, many years, but I'd love to do something to work her into it because without her, this isn't possible. It's weird when you go back in your life and, you know, I've done many things over the years. I've done, I did illustration work. You know, I wrote for a long time and was trying to, you know, get published and get published in certain places. And out of all the things I've ever done, this was the most successful one and it was something that started as kind of a joke and it all came about because of her so anyway kind of you know a, a bummer bummer weekend overall and then we just spent the last you know whole day i'm actually recording this this will probably be up like talk about hot off the press we're recording it now it's 3 4 p.m on a sunday usually i have these things done saturday morning but we're out cleaning the house and i just haven't I didn't feel like sitting down today and doing one of these because I just wasn't in the mood for it. It's like, I really don't want to talk about this because I had two spiders I have to bury and a third one that's the one that kicked all this off that's probably coming. I might see about preserving her or something. I'm going to do some research later to see how we can preserve her because I'd love to keep her around because that spider obviously means the world to me. It's, it's odd. If you had told me when I was, you know, 20 years old that someday you're going to be really emotionally attached to a spider, I would have laughed in your face probably and went, yeah, I don't think so, but here we are. So, look, I won't say look forward to that one, but expect something about that next week. I'll obviously keep it updated and I will do a video on it. Again, I don't like doing stuff with things that die because I, I, it's the constant, you know, there's obviously well wishes and I'm so sorry and whatever. And I just don't know how to respond to it. It's not my thing. So it's kind of makes it awkward for me, but th this girl really obviously deserves some type of, you know, she'll get a video. She'll get a podcast. We'll talk about our good times and, uh, and look what it's led to. I mean, I talk about having a legacy. This is all started from one little, you know, G. Porteri, which is why when people come on, somebody went on one of my videos yesterday, the, or two days ago, one of the beginner species ones. It was like, G. Porteri and G. Rosario are the worst beginner spiders ever. Nobody ever starts with them. And, and I actually, I got a little combative because I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> I, I started with one and look where I am now. You can't tell me they're not a good beginner species. It was the perfect beginner species for me. I understand that they can fast. I understand that they're slow growing. I get all the, the negatives against them, but a lot of us in the hobby, especially those of us that started early on or got our first tarantula early on, we started with the G Porteri and that's what that's what created this interest. That's what got us into it. So uh, moving on. This will probably be a slightly shorter episode today because we had UFC last night and we were all screaming like idiots over the winner. For those of you who watch UFC, you probably know what I'm talking about. For those of you that don't, I won't bore you with it, but we were screaming like fools and now my voice is kind of hoarse. So I'm it's really, really kind of straining here to do this one. 
So I'm just keeping my fingers crossed. My voice holds out here. But for the rest of the podcast, we're going to be talking about Eupalastris campistratus or the pink zebra beauty or the PZB for short, kind of like the OBT or the LP or the GBB, one of the few spiders that we use their initials for, and it's kind of acceptable. Uh, this has been a species that I have a, a kind of a long history with because back in the, not really a long history with, but one that I messed up back in the day, Billy and I were going to a pet store in Massachusetts for my birthday, and she was basically going to buy me some spiders for my birthday, which was awesome. And we went up, and at this point, I was on a, basically on one of my old world kicks. I had moved away from kind of the new world species. I was getting a lot of old world tarantulas. I wasn't really looking at a lot of the new world ones. And the guy had a pink zebra beauty that he had for sale. It was dirt cheap, too, at the time. It was like 25 bucks. And he's like, yeah, I, I can throw this one in there if you want for 20 And I'm like, nah, I'm not really interested. I really don't want to cuddle these spiders. He's like, oh, these are great, and blah, blah, blah. So I passed up on it and immediately kicked myself in the butt because later on I was looking at some photos of them and I'm like, oh, these guys are gorgeous. And then I realized they were one of the considered to be one of the better beginner species and I was looking to put together a beginner species video. And so I was immediately like, I screwed up. I messed up and I was trying to find one for quite some time. It took me a while, but finally in October 2017, I picked up a couple of slings or like a eh, third of an inch slings from Tanya at Fear Not Tarantulas, and I actually used them in my earliest beginner species video, but immediately was enamored with the guys because I've seen pictures of them. They're, they're gorgeous spiders. And, you know, I've had people asking me to do updates for quite a while on them, and I kept saying, yeah, I'll do an update, I'll do an update, and I never did any updates. So we just did the rehousing for my female this weekend, and that video will probably be up next weekend or Thursday or so, depending on how quickly I can get it edited up. And it went very well. But this is an awesome species of one that seems to come around, at least in the U.S. I don't know about overseas or if you guys have different experiences if they're more avail readily available over there. But in the U.S., they seem to come around every you know six months, eight months or so, sometimes a year. one point, I went almost two years waiting for them. But they don't get offered much, and when they do, they get snatched up, and it's because they're such cool spiders. Now, I picked mine up again as a little teeny slings, and at the time, I set them up in the AMAC, the, like Jamie's enclosures, for lack of a better term, boxes, the two-by-two-by-four AMAC boxes, and put about two, two-and-a-half inches of sub straight in there and both of my slings immediately tunneled all the way down to the bottom and then created a very elaborate series of tunnels. It was unlike any, you know, usually the slings, they do a little tunnel down the bottom. That's it. These guys were tunneling all around the outside of it. They had two entrances at one point. One of them, I think even had three entrances at one point. They did an extensive amount of burrowing. And then one of the things I noticed is that they both went all the way down to the bottom, which, of course, when they bring up all that dirt, it means that the substrate is even deeper then because if you take a bunch of dirt down from the bottom, stack it on the top, now it's even deeper. And what I noticed is both of them went through a period where they sealed off their burrows, went down to the bottom, bolted, and never came back up to eat. And I've talked about, you know, 99% of the time, 99.9% .9 of the time, you never want to dig up a spider that's burrowed. They know what they're doing. When they burrow and cover up their burrow, they're either molting or waiting to get over a molt. They're not eating at that point, which is totally fine. However, I have had some experiences over the years, especially with smaller slings, where if you give them too much substrate, they go down to the bottom, they create a nice little, you know, tunnel system, they fill it up and they don't come up to eat. And that happened with both of these. And I know it happened with both of these because what ended up happening was after molting and not eating for about a month, I was like, I'm thinking these guys, 
something's up here, something's wrong. So I basically carefully opened up their burrows, left a pre-killed prey item up. Both of them came up and ate the pre-killed prey item and started eating again after that. So something to keep track of when you set up slings. And I always, I've over the years changed. I used to give my slings, like if you had a burrowing species or fossil reel species, I would give the sling the 32 ounce deeper deli cup with like four inches of substrate because if it's burrowing, the more substrate, the better, right? Well, I found that in some cases wrong. You give them too much, they go down to the bottom. The general thought process is that in the wild, they could dig down and they do so much digging that they would actually find prey under the ground, maybe, you know, whatever, insects or whatever, larvae, and they don't have to surface. So when you give them that much substrate, keep that in mind that that can be an issue. And I've had it happen with my P. muticus was the big one. And speaking to a lot of people, I've heard from a lot of people since then that had slings and juveniles that they gave a lot of substrate and they buried themselves, wouldn't come up to eat. And some of them starved to death. I also had it happen with a G. pulchra that buried itself. It molted. I waited several weeks for it to eat. It didn't eat. I opened up its burrow, dangled a little dead cricket down there. It latched onto that thing like its life depended on it and ate it. So just a heads up that when you raise these, if I were to set these up again, instead of doing the AMAC boxes, they would have went right into little dram vials. I've really, I hated dram vials when I first got into the hobby. I don't know why they just, I wasn't a fan. I think part of it was the fact that all you heard about was cross ventilation and there's not a lot of cross ventilation. There's no cross ventilation in dram vials. However, I found that with smaller slings, they can be crucial to making sure that you can keep track of the sling, the sling can find the prey, and that it doesn't find itself swimming in an enclosure that doesn't allow it to find the prey items. As far as moisture, when they were smaller, I definitely kept the bottom layers of substrate moist, and obviously they burrowed right down to it, so they seemed to appreciate that, so I always made sure the bottom layers stayed moist while I allowed the top to dry out a bit. They were good eaters overall. I was doing pre-kill very early on because they were so tiny. And then once they got, you know, regular size and stuff and I could put live prey items in there, we'd use small red runner roaches, which they ate no problem. Now, after a little while, they kind of, because those containers are kind of narrow, I ended up moving them and rehousing them into what were about, I'll say about 16, probably right around 16 ounce acrylic cylindrical enclosures I picked up a bunch of them was using for slings and again they dug right down the bottom but this time there wasn't enough room that they could get lost they did well in those for a little while and I probably could have gotten away with not putting them in those I think it was one of those deals where they were too big for the AMAC boxes but these really didn't offer all that much more room plus what I one of the things I observed with the growth size or the growth rate it took them forever to go from 0.3 inches to about the one and a quarter inch mark or so. I mean, we're talking a year or so or more, to closer, probably closer to two years to finally hit that point. And once they hit the one and a quarter inch, they seem to put on size very quickly after that. I've had a couple species like that. My G. pulchropes are another one that took forever to hit the one, one and a quarter inch mark. But after that, they seem to put on, they molted, seemed to molt more frequently and put on more size with each molt. So I think what happened was I moved them in when they were about an inch and a half. And then the next molt, they were almost too big for it. So we ended up putting them after that into these two quart, like almost like, I think it's Sistema is the name of the company. The two, they're almost like Tupperware containers. They latch really well. I, I was buying them for a while until, of course, suddenly Amazon doesn't sell them anymore. That's usually what happens when I find a good sling or juvenile enclosure. But they were in those for a while. They did great. And then one of them matured out male last year. I ended up sending him off to breed. So it was... 
from 2017 by 2000, I think it was early 2020 is when I sent them off or late 2019, he had matured. So that was pretty good growth. And again, a lot of that was on the back end. It took him forever to get to that size where they're about an inch and a quarter, inch and a half. And then they kind of blew up. And now the female just molted about a month ago and she's pushing about four and a half, five inches now. Beautiful girl. The pink hairs, they give them the name Pink Zebra Beauty, really are stunning against that brownish background. I just, it's one of those things that's kind of tough to capture in pink pictures but as far as you know the burrowing behavior continued until they hit about four inches or so then the male at that point had his ultimate molt and he was out you know running around trying to find a lady the female filled in her burrow and has sat up top of her enclosure and has been quite visible but I did just rehouse her into a container that's about eight by eight by 12 or so or eight by eight by 13 and she's got plenty of room to dig so we'll see now that she has more room I gave her you know the cork bark hide we gave her some sphagnum moss we use the BioDude substrate, which I've been using for just about everything lately. I just really like the stuff, although I'm mixing up a batch of my own now as we speak, so I'll start working that in as well. But she, we'll see. She's got the depth, so if she wants to burrow, she can burrow. But I've spoken to other people that said once stairs hit around the four or five inch mark, they were much more visible and out in the open. Actually, let me just turn around here for a second because she's right over here to my left and see if, yep, she is actually using the burrow. So she is in there. We'll see if she does any more digging or just kind of adapts the burrow as her home. We'll see how that goes. But uh, one of the things that's said about these guys is usually as adults, they are very gentle and handleable. And a lot of people have remarked that there's are ones that they can actually pick up and handle, which is why they make it onto so many beginner lists. So far, my female, I mean, I, I could probably stick my hand in there. It wouldn't be a big deal, but she is a little skittish. And when you see the video, for those of you that go and track down the video when I put it up there, you can see that she's, you know, a little skittish, didn't, didn't give me too much attitude, but not one I would necessarily want to hold right now. I mean, I don't, again, I don't do handling or anything, but she's one that I'd worry about bolting up my arm or something if she got spooked. But I've spoken to many people that have the adult females that say they are very laid back, very, you know, tractable. So something that kind of entices people that are new to the hobby, even if you're not planning on handling, everybody likes gentle spiders. So I think a lot of folks that are just getting new, looking for a beginner species, this is one that probably makes the list because of that. Now, once they put on some size, again, it slings they ate fine, but there was that burying themselves, not eating thing. Once they put on some size, they were voracious eaters, and that kept all the way through to like, you know, probably about the half inch mark, eating the little red runner bilateralis roaches that was feeding them up until like it was one that I could drop a cricket in when they were juveniles. They would wrestle down the cricket, so really good appetites. We'd eat quite a bit. I was usually feeding them again with my slings. I usually feed my slings bi weekly unless I give them when they're really teeny tiny. I should probably clarify this when they're really teeny tiny sometimes you put in one big meal and they scavenge feed and they fill up after one shot so I should be clear about that I've had slings literally come up you drop in a big mealworm section they eat that mealworm section for like a day they're all fat and that's it they're not eating again so I should make that clear but when I'm feeding like the little B-lat ro uh, roaches, I usually drop one in, you know, twice a week or so. Once they hit the juvenile stage, you know, inch and a quarter, inch and a half or so around there, I usually slow it down to once a week. And then as adults, it's once a week or sometimes every, you know, week and a half, sometimes two weeks, depending. Usually I do once a week though, because I like to do all my maintenance and go through them. But every once in a while, one of them, it'll be like, all right, I gave you a big meal last time. We'll wait a little bit longer. And as adults, the male and female both ate very, very well, would take two or three crickets down a pop if I gave it to them. And have no issue with the hunting. Now, as far as temperatures with these guys, they do perfectly fine at room temperatures. I, this is one of the species I would have no problems keeping in the you know, mid-60s, even if dropped down the lower 60s a bit. Mine are kept in the, well, when I first got them, probably the higher 60s 
to lower 70s in the wintertime. And then during the summertime, it would be the high 70s. And sometimes it would hit 80, even up to 82. Not often, but every once in a while. But right around that 78, 79, 80 mark for most of the summer. Again, didn't see much difference in their feeding routines, whether it was warm or cold. And that's something I usually look for is whether or not, you know, if it's a little cooler, do they slow down? I didn't notice anything, but usually with tarantulas, obviously the higher temperatures equal higher metabolism. So you usually get spiders that will not only be a little more ravenous with the eating, but will grow a little more quickly. We'll have shorter pre-molt periods. You'll, you'll get more size out of them in that period. So as far as beginner species go, temperament's great. Ease of care, very simple to care for. I mean, I keep give them a little moisture when they're younger, when they're slings, when they're juveniles. But as an adult, I kind of like overflow the water dish. Give them obviously full water dish. I give everything water dishes, and they do perfectly fine. They're a little slow growing at first. At least they were for me. I know there's always people out there. It's weird because I post stuff up, and the majority of people come on and go, "Yeah, mine were slow. Mine were slow." And then somebody will come on and go, "Mine hit three inches in a year," and it blows my mind. We just had somebody do this with what was it? It was G Polkrapies. They had a G Polkrapies hit three and a half, four inches in a year. I don't even know how that's possible. Like I've raised four of these things and they grow so slowly. And then I asked for the temperatures. I'm like, oh, your temperatures must be really high. No, the temperatures were like in the mid seventies. So who knows? Every once in a while, somebody gets one of the, you know, genetic freaks that grows very quickly. Mine grew slowly. I've spoken to other people that said theirs grew very slowly and then picked up size later on. But obviously feel free to chime in with what you've experienced as far as growth rate. But I only mention this because trying to find a sexed specimen or a juvenile evil, even is very difficult, at least in the United States, or for people that are hearing this or looking to get one, your next bet, next shot is probably going to be slings. So I'm just giving you a heads up, but it's worth the wait. They're they're definitely hardy little guys and gorgeous spiders. Again, I, I'm trying to get in the video, I'm trying to get a good picture to go with the video to use for my little thumbnail for my YouTube channel. Uh, to get those hairs to show up because they really are a cool shade of pink. I remember wondering why they called the pink zebra beauty and the pictures I saw online, a lot of them, it didn't look pink at all. It looked like a brown spider, which is fine. I love my brown spiders. But when you see it in person, it really does have those pink hairs. So awesome species. Definitely one I encourage people to keep an eye out for. I'm not sure if anybody's got them right now. A lot of times before I do these podcasts, I'll go and do a little search to see if anybody's got them. I didn't do it this time. So feel free if you find somebody that's got them, you know, regardless of where you are, feel free to chime in on my Facebook page, let people know, because hopefully there'll be people looking for them. But don't be like me. Don't pass up on them the first time because you were, you know, too cool to pick up a new world species, which is pretty much what it came down to. Although I did buy one that what a new world species. I bought a G Polkra that day. I did buy the G Polkra. I had been looking for one of those, but I also bought a bunch of old worlds because, you know, again, that was the phase it was going in. But anyway, don't do what I did. Don't miss out on them. Have to wait a couple of years to finally get one. You see them, grab them up. All right. So unfortunately, this one's going to be a little shorter this time because I have, I literally have a headache now from straining. I, I don't know if it's coming across in the podcast, but it's like, I feel like my head's going to explode because I'm trying to make my voice work for me and it's really hoarse. So we're going to cut this one short. I did have one other topic. We'll just carry it over to next week, but I don't want to spend the rest of my Sunday afternoon with a headache, and now i got to get this all produced and up. So we're going to cut it here. Sorry, it was kind of a bummer one this weekend, especially the way it started off. Hopefully, I'll have better news next week. We'll try to keep it more chipper next week, but at least we got to talk about the PZB, which is a wonderful little spider, and that video, again, will hopefully be up. I'm, I'm shooting for Thursday, but we'll see how it goes. I still have some work to do this weekend at the other house. I'll be stopping by after work, so it's going to cut into my editing time, but I really would like 
like to get that one up within a week of the last one I put up, and hopefully you guys can see pictures of it, which I think helps when you're trying to entice people to pick up spiders, because that's what I do. I come out here and I cost people tons of money by talking about all the wonderful spiders there are available. So that will do it for this one. As always, you can find me on tomsbigspiders.com. You can find me on Tom's Big Spiders on YouTube. Stay safe, everybody, and we will catch you next time.